heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. Rams Nation, this is James Kroger, and you're listening to Locked on Rams. Bear will be back with you on Tuesday, but for now, I'm going to be holding down the fort. I know it's hard enough going back to work after a tough loss like that, and now we got this guy in the mic. Just joking. I appreciate you guys listening. I'm going to try to keep a positive attitude on everything that happened. We, there was a lot of stuff, positive stuff that happened, and I'm looking forward to talking about that. Uh, but before I get started, I want to let you know that this Monday edition of Locked On Rams is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Use the promo code LOCKEDON at MyBookie.ag. Like I mentioned, Bear will be back tomorrow. We're going to be watching the Monday Night Football game where the Minnesota Vikings are taking on the Bears at home. Minnesota is favored by 71%. But I have a feeling Bear might try to bet on his uh, Bears and possibly win some money. So again, we're going to be using mybookie.ag. I suggest you do the same. All right, guys. On top of that game we watched today, I have a cold. I have to apologize. My stuffy nose. You're going to have to listen to this for the next 15 minutes or so. But we'll get through it. So on top of the worst offensive game that the Rams played this season, we barely lost. And what I really want to point out is what a defensive improvement, actually on both sides of the ball, for the Hawks as well. But at the end of the day, our offense with five turnovers really let this game slip through their fingers. Literally, in a sense, after Cooper Cup, that catch at the end of the game, what a heartbreaker. He should have got that ball. It hit him in the hands, and man, Goff, Goff had him. There's a few uh, letdowns there at the end, but guys, you know, can't blame this game on Cup. He was a rookie in a high-pressure situation. If he would have got that, it would have been highlight-worthy. Let's remember that majestic leap that Cup had earlier in the game to give us that first down. So Cup really helped us out. He improved uh, statistically on what he's been doing the past couple games. And think about how would you have felt if Tavon had missed that touchdown? I mean, I think looking at so- on social media, I think Tavon got the dunce cap of this game. Everybody was hating on him quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I think there was justified reasons why, and we'll get into those in just a bit. But, you know, can't blame the game on Cup. What we really need to blame this game on is the series of mistakes and turnovers we had on this offense. Uh, the big mistakes... Two turnovers by Goff. The interception was a complete surprise to me. I don't know who he was throwing at there. Um, it was very unlike Goff compared to what we've seen thus far this season and uh, for most of this game, actually, before that had happened. He was tending to stare down the field a bit. I did notice during the second quarter he was staring down his receivers. He almost uh, got a pick against him, and he was just, you know, I think that was off to Woods, and he was just staring him down the whole time. So... So I think because of the pressure of the situation at that time uh, and in the third and fourth quarter, he kind of went back to his old ways of, of staring that receiver down. But early on, he did have some really solid reads. He was checking down to a second and third guy. Uh, and the best part is he did remain calm and confident behind the line and in the pocket. He stepped up in the pocket. I think in those situations, a lot of young quarterbacks would have tried to get away. But Goff stayed confident there, and he just continued to stand even though people were all around him and make those throws early on. Unfortunately, later in the game, 
the pressure started to get to him. But think about the trust he's built at this point with Whitworth and Sullivan in the addition to the O-line this season. Before today, Whitworth only allowed one quarterback pressure this whole season, and it shows by the way Goff stands back there so confidently. So I was really happy to see that early on in the game. So let's talk about some of the issues we had during this game. Specifically, when we marched up the field on that first drive where Gurley ran to the outside, reached for the pylon, and fumbled into the end zone and out of bounds, giving the Seahawks the ball for a touchback and giving Gurley his fifth fumble of the season. Considering how great Gurley's doing this year, in all of 2015 and all of 2016, he had five fumbles as well. So he just tied his record for the past two seasons combined in fumbles. Speaking of fumbles, let's talk about Tavon Austin. He dropped a second punt of the game, giving Seattle the ball. But John Johnson, who was starting over Maurice Alexander, intercepted Russell Wilson's pass and returned it for 69 yards. Wilson basically stopped him from scoring a touchdown. Wilson's fast, and he chased this dude down. Forced him to pause and get tackled. But, man, uh, Wilson saved his own interception for a pick six. Uh, but, yeah, he marched down 69 yards, and the Rams couldn't finish again and settled for a field goal. So before halftime, the Hawks put a kickoff out of bounds inside two minutes. The Rams on the 40 went three and out. We should have delivered on that drive. This helped the Hawks tie the game with a field goal on their next drive. A little disappointing there. I want to mention Watkins really fast. He was only targeted four times. Goff tried to hit him deep, but never succeeded. I think if we would have got that deep ball hit a couple of those times in the first half, it would have kind of changed this game because Seattle stopped Gurley. I think that was pretty clear early on. Um, and they stopped Goff's short game. They learned how to adjust and they prevented him from continuing to get some of those first downs. So speaking of getting shut down, they completely stopped the deep threat on top of Watkins. Uh, Goff was just not able to go deep today. So then we run into a situation where Greg the Leg, trusty Greg the Leg, who has made the previous 28 field goal attempts inside the 40, missed. And what a heartbreaker it was, especially for those who... Who possibly had him on fantasy and went from such a jump of what he did last week to this game. Seemed like it should be an easy little chip in to tie the game right before halftime, but no. Now let's get into the second half. We had Robert Woods make a full extension diving catch to set up first down inside enemy territory. Goff threw a wobbly pass into no man's land for his second interception. I don't know who he was aiming at there. That was just a, uh, a pass to the defense, basically. So that was another heartbreaker and kind of clearly showed that Goff was breaking down under this defensive pressure by the Seahawks. Okay, so the Rams got the ball back fairly quickly. And on the third play of the drive, got a 29-yard catch from rookie tight end Tyler Higby. On the next play... Frank Clark came around the edge and forced a fumble by Goff just as he was about to get rid of the football with three minutes left in the game. Almost thought for a second that he was clean. It was clean because it was a forward motion, but as soon as I saw the replay, it was clear that it was a fumble. That was another heartbreaker. So the Rams scored in only one red zone trip out of 12 red zone plays, and actually Todd Gurley only touched the ball once on his near touchdown fumble. So we all remember what happened there. So Todd Gurley was basically shut down in the red zone and for most of the game. I actually think, I want to check on paper here, but I'm pretty sure Tavon Austin may have been out there for more snaps than Todd Gurley. 
Gurley, who was held to under 50 yards by the Seahawks at 43, rushing with 14 carries, he only had two receptions for a total of seven yards. So one of the biggest factors of our game was shut down uh, by the Seahawks defense. A defense that recorded two interceptions and three sacks, maintaining pressure on Goff the whole afternoon. But mistakes throughout this game really cost the Rams. Goff, at the end, marched the Rams down the field, our last hope with only seconds remaining. I really thought we had a chance here. He completed a 35-yard pass to Higby and a 20-yard pass to Woods. We were looking really good. Uh, Cooper Cup, you know, he's my guy. Uh, he was highly reliable, and he's been a productive rookie, but we all know what happened. He couldn't haul in what would have been a diving third-down catch in the end zone to win the game for the Los Angeles Rams, potentially 17-16 Rams if we would have made the field goal, assuming so. Let's talk about this defense. We started off strong. I think it's one thing we'll directly see as a solid improvement since the beginning of the season, knowing how many points we ended up giving up. We're looking at this rush D. We shut down Eddie Lacy pretty early on, as well as Thomas Rawls. The Seahawks were without Carson, and they tried to spread out this offense a bit, but we shut him down early. Well, kind of early, because Seattle did come down the field a bit, but after a crucial Donald sack, and then on the same drive, Alec Ogletree, who you know we've been complaining about a bit on Rams podcast and locked on Rams because you know he's been getting beat a lot and burned, and we're a little worried about him facing the Seattle offense. But um, Ogletree blazed through on third down, blitzing right up the middle and sacking Wilson. He actually blitzed up the middle on the first three possessions, and then laid back on the fourth to try to mix it up a bit. Uh, by the time they got the ball. So Wade was mixing things up in the beginning, trying to confuse this smart Seattle offense. Speaking of Wade, one of the oldest coaches in the league, Pete Carroll is the oldest head coach. So we had the oldest head coach playing the youngest head coach in the league today. A little bit of knowledge drop on you there. Talking about mixing things up, well... Russell Wilson uh, hasn't really been connecting too much with Jimmy Graham this season. Their chemistry has kind of struggled a bit. Uh, however, this game, they were finally able to connect for some pretty imperative plays. Jimmy Graham ended up with six receptions for 37 yards, including a touchdown, where he beat Johnson on a coverage. But Johnson saw it coming. I watched the replay. He was staring at Wilson the whole time. He knew what was going to happen. It looked like Graham just pushed him off. Graham's a big dude and just held him back and jumped up in front of him and caught that ball. But it was frustrating to see Johnson clearly see what was going on and watch himself get beat. But, you know, at this point, what are you going to do? Okay, I want to step away from that for a second and mention the fact that ever since we started this podcast over a year ago, people at work and everywhere we go constantly come up to us and want to know who we should bet on. Look at the Rams. They were so bad last year, so great this year. We know them so well. Like, who should I bet on against the Rams or first Seahawks? Like, you know who I'm going to say in that situation. But it comes to all football. Patriots, Steelers, who do you have this week, tomorrow, Monday Night Football? Uh, Minnesota Vikings or the Bears? Well, if you listen to the show, I think you're better off listening to Bears bets. But just as much as we care about who you're betting on, we care about where you're betting. So we really want to tell you about mybookie.ag. It's been in business for years. It's a super solid website. We love using it within our betting. I've lost money. Bears won money. But it's a great site. They do have 100% cash bonuses right off the bat. So if you're making money for doing nothing, essentially, 
And they do have the really fast payouts, which is important for people like me who need the money. So check out mybookie.ag. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to activate your offer. All right, guys, good luck out there. For now, I want to get back to some Rams news. I want to chat a bit about the after-game press conferences while I can, since it all just happened. Bear and I will be continuing to update you guys throughout the week. We'll be recording our Rams podcast tomorrow, so look out for that. And I'll probably be jumping back on to help Bear host Locked On tomorrow night as well. So Tuesday episode should have some additional stuff, and we're going to be breaking this down this game down all week for you guys. Um, but let's talk about the post game and what happened there. So one of the big questions for me, you know, I have this guy on my fantasy, Sammy Watkins. You're killing me, Sammy. But is it Goss' fault? I don't know. Watkins has actually been targeted 20 times through the Rams' first five games. He didn't get a pass thrown to him for the game's first 50 minutes against the Cowboys in Week 4 and caught zero passes for the second time in his 42 career games. That's kind of sad, guys. 42 career games, and it's only the second time you went without catching a pass. Something's going on here. Watkins joined the Rams as a vertical threat and a primary receiver. A lot of us thought he was going to be our number one guy going into the season. But we know Jared Goff is committed to taking what the defense is going to give him um, and not force feed receivers. We know, I mentioned earlier, that he had four long attempts to Watkins in today's game. And he spoke a little bit about it in the press conference. I was there. I was at the press conference. These are my own notes, you guys. (laughs) So Goff was asked about... Uh, talking to Sammy Watkins about pulling up midway through the deep route. He says, he was a little bit confused on what we were doing, said Goff. It's nothing that can't be fixed overnight. It's not characteristic of him at all, and I don't expect that to happen. So, you know, Goff's looking out for Watkins. He's looking for him. They're just, they're just, we're unable to make the connections this season, but I know they're going to figure out. This offense is open, and there's a lot of eligible receivers and running backs in this offense. Jared Goff did also say, it wasn't so much that we weren't moving the ball, we just weren't finishing drives. That's what it came down to. We weren't finishing the drives. We got into the red zone, and we didn't do a very good job. It shows up. That's 100% true. Before this game, they were pretty solid in the red zone. I believe they had seven touchdowns, and Goff was 11 for 11 at one point, so something happened in this game. The Seahawks completely shut down their red zone offense at home. Okay, next up on the mic, it was Todd Gurley. He said, uh, regarding going long stretches without getting the ball, it's kind of what it is. You can't get the ball every time. We have a lot of great playmakers. Even though I didn't get the ball, you see the situations we were still in. And I just got to do a better job of just going out there and making plays. If I make plays, then I get the ball. So he's kind of saying he needs to get open. Uh, Maybe the holes weren't there some of the times, and they were definitely on him when he was going out as a wide receiver or as a drop-off guy. So he's maybe saying he wasn't making plays himself. I like that he was not really pointing fingers at anybody but himself. Solid sportsmanship there for somebody who was shut down to less than 50 yards by the Seahawks after being such an offensive machine in the first part of this whole year. So, off to the head coach, Sean McVay. 
he was asked about, you know, obviously what went wrong, what happened, what changed. He said, and I quote, we turned the ball over five times today. That's not a recipe for winning football. That's not something we can afford to do if we expect to win games moving forward. Pretty obvious statement there. You can see he seems really beat up about it. But one thing about Sean McVay is he's a man of adjustments, and we all know that he's going to adjust this offense and improve moving forward, which I plan on talking to Bear about tomorrow night on Rams Podcast and again on Locked On the following day. So keep tuning in, guys. If you're not following us already on social media, it's at Rams Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, at Locked On Rams, same deal. We put up some great stuff. We're pretty engaging on social media, so be sure to check us out. Now, off to the dunce cap. I just want to get on what Tavon Austin said because a lot of hate's been going on online about Tavon after the game, and you know I'm sure you guys want to hear what he has to say on muffing so many punts. Quote, I'm a little scared, scarred up right now, but it's all right. Never going to make excuses. Just got to keep working at it day in and day out, hoping I get it back when I'm feeling more comfortable catching the ball out there. He said he was not disappointed in McVay's co- um, choice to replace him with Cooper Cup. And I really wanted to ask you guys, what do you guys think about Cooper Cup going in there to return punts? I think it's a solid decision. I think we gave Tavon an opportunity to come back and reprove himself after he muffed the punt uh, in the previous uh, game before that. But I think Cup's got some solid hands. And I could really use the yardage and the bet I have going with the Seahawkers podcast that we've been talking about over social media with those guys. You'll check, you'll know what I'm talking about if you listen to us over there. But yeah, I'm a big fan of Cooper Cup. Tavon's a great running back. I think he can be utilized in this offense in many ways. But at this time, we learned last year that we don't need to keep people in the game longer than they should be. So let's learn from that and keep Tavon running the ball. He's not doing great getting those punts right now. So the catches that are coming from straight down, let's keep him away from those. I trust Cup out there. Really don't want him to get hurt, but I think he can do the job. Let me know what you guys think. My personal Twitter is at jkroger3. I'm also engaged with at Rams Podcast. I run that Twitter account as well. And also hit a bear at LA underscore rambling bear. And he also runs the at locked on. We're also on Instagram. Uh, we put up a lot of cool content. Thanks again for listening to the show. Bear will be back tomorrow to join you guys. And as always, until next time, Rams Nation. Peace. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.